Hello and welcome to the very last episode of our four-part series on the Body Acceptance Book, aka our virtual book club. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> well, yay and it's kind of sad that it's ending, but it's been a fun journey. <laughs> yes, and we will have more projects for you in the future. This week we're going to talk about chapter seven and chapter eight, which is your healing timeline and then beauty and body acceptance and all about that. I'm sure by now you know who we are, but just to reintroduce ourselves, I am Lauren Kendrick. I am the author of the body acceptance book. And this over here is our body acceptance yoga instructor. I've now, I've now made you that gave. I am so for that title. I will be the body acceptance yoga instructor. Yeah, she's very good at it. Um, yeah, so we're going to get into it. If you haven't signed up for all the goodies, you have until the end of this week to do that, which the goodies are a free study guide to help you along as you're watching or listening to the episodes and just to help you dig deeper into the concepts. And then the body acceptance workbook, which is super compre- comprehensive, in-depth, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it covers all areas of your life. Yeah. Possibly even stuff that we haven't quite got to in the podcast. Um, yeah, it's, it's great. <laughs> yeah. It's very good. And it's going to walk you step-by-step step into everything that you basically getting you from where you are now to where you want to be. And that is only going to be free until the end of this week. And then it's going to actually go on sale. So if you want it for free, go to either thebodyacceptance.com and go to the tab that says book club, or I'll leave the link to sign up in the show notes or the description box, depending on whether you're listening or watching this episode. Yeah. So basically last chance to pile on some more free on top of your free with a side of free. All of this is just to help you guys get moving on your body acceptance journey. So please take advantage of it. There's some incredible stuff on top of what we're doing here in the podcast. Amen. Well said. All right. So let's start on chapter seven. We're going to talk about a few concepts when it comes to healing. And by healing, I mean healing your relationship with your body or with food, or maybe there's another area of your life that you feel needs healing in order for you to move forward. And we're also going to talk about the difference between, you know, because last week we talked about Um, your transformation timeline. Mm -hmm. And this week, we're going to cover your healing timeline. And the two are very similar concepts, but they are different because, again, transformation is almost, you described it really well last week, Chris. Do you remember what you (laughs) said about it? Not exactly. About transformation. The difference between transformation and healing? Yeah, about which one goes which way. Okay, so I guess I would say the biggest difference between transformation is more of what you're moving toward, what you want more of, and healing is kind of letting go of the past, letting go of, you know, prior habits or prior thought patterns, prior beliefs that have hurt you. Yeah, exactly. So if you think of it that way, in order to move forward, you have to heal or, or you can almost do the two in tandem. Right. Which was another conversation that we've had of, yeah, we kind of went back and forth with this idea of what needs to happen first. Do you need to heal, let go of the past, or do you need to transform and move into the next version of you? And I kind of think that there's not one right way to do it. Um, I almost think of like healing is letting go of the heavy bags you've been carrying, right? Mm-hmm. You could hold on to them for a little while while you start walking forward, while you start that journey. Um, But once you're able to let them go, you'll be able to progress a little bit more quickly. Yeah, that's what I remember you saying last week is that sometimes when you're doing the transformational work, you won't realize what you need to heal until you're in it. And that was the big difference, right? Oh my gosh, yes. (laughs) Yeah, so you'll be doing, you know, um, I don't know, what's it? can you think of an example of like when you're working on... I'm trying to think of an example because I know I've gone through this myself, um, not just in body acceptance, but in kind of personal development in general. It's almost the more you start to kind of peel back the layers of understanding, oh, why do I feel this way? Maybe it's because of this. You almost, the more you heal, the more you realize you need to heal. 
That's kind of how I like to think about it. Yeah. There are some hurts that like we, or even some beliefs about ourselves, our body, our worth that we just have been shoving down for so long that we don't even know they're there. We kind of have to take off that top layer first to get to the next layer. So even as you're healing, you may start to uncover some deep rooted things that it's like, oh my gosh, I'm way less healed than I thought. Um, but that itself is part of the transformational journey, moving through those layers. Yeah. And then that brings us then to the healing timeline of just like when it comes to the transformational timeline, what does that look like? You know, healing, I'm sure you've heard the phrase before that healing is not linear, mm-hmm. right? So it can be really easy to have high expectations of, I mean, say for example, healing your relationship with food or your body. You're literally, as Chris said, unpacking and unlearning things that you have been carrying for maybe your entire life. I know for me, I carried a lot from childhood, just from growing up and seeing the way that my mom related to food and her body. I didn't realize how much of that then I took on. And then, you know, the way that people treated you when you were younger, like Chris, you've been told when you were told like, oh, you're so pretty and you found your value in that for a long time. Well, even growing up and always being told things like, oh, you're thin, everything looks good on you you don't realize that that also instills the belief that, oh, if I'm not thin, it won't. Mm -hmm. And so you might grow up thinking, oh, it's a positive. But once you actually start going through this process, you're like, oh crap, I'm actually really afraid that things won't look good on me when I'm not anymore. Yes. And you realize that that's holding you back. This unconscious Mm -hmm. belief that you didn't realize is holding you back. And I think that's one of the reasons it can be so hard to really put a timeline on healing is when you start the journey, you don't exactly know what you're healing from, right? You kind of know the transformation you're moving toward, Mm -hmm. but you have to discover some of the deep healing along the way. Yes. Which is why it's so important too, that you seek support along the way. So what are some of the ways that you can seek support? Um, I know I'll say one, you can hire a coach, either whether it's like a, I guess it depends on whatever you're working through. You can hire a specific coach. There are coaches for pretty much anything out there or a therapist to help you just like talk through it because there are some things you might come upon that you realize, like I I recognize that this is an issue, but I don't know how to move forward. Or you might not see a pattern that someone externally might see. Absolutely. Anyone, whether it's a coach, a therapist, um, even a really good friend. Sometimes you have to pick the ones you have those conversations with a little carefully, but someone to one, give you that outside perspective, because we all come to the table with our own biases based on our experiences and what's happened so far. Um, And even someone just to push you a little bit so that when things do get uncomfortable, you know, if you're doing your journaling, your self-coaching, you might be like, okay, I asked why twice. I got a couple layers deep. I'm good now. Having someone external who can push you a little bit deeper and say, no, you're not done yet. (laughs) Give me one more. Like, let's keep going. Um, And almost hold your hand through that can be incredibly powerful. Yeah, definitely. And hold space for you. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there are just so many parts and reasons that we need to seek support anyway in community. And that's going to help in your healing timeline because it's easy to start on a journey and decide like, whoa, this is too much. I didn't sign Mm -hmm. up for this. And then, you know, maybe you will have someone that's going to encourage you or push you or, you know, maybe no one has to really push you, but just guide you along the way and tell you that like, you're going to be okay. This stuff feels really heavy sometimes Mm -hmm. and it's not a burden that you have to carry alone. Absolutely. And another great resource for that, hopefully, will actually be this book club community that we're creating. Um, You know, I'd say that I'm so lucky that I kind of ran into Lauren because these are conversations that I was ready to have, but I didn't know that anyone else was ready to have them. Mm. So even just looking in this space, knowing that everyone here is on a similar journey can be so empowering just to know, hey, I'm not alone, not crazy. Other people are working through this too and supporting each other that way. Yeah, that is so true. When you find a community that you didn't know existed or a friend that, you know, not everyone wants to go deep and you might experience a lot of superficial friendships and then find communities like the body acceptance community and realize like, oh my gosh, there are people out there who get me, 
who feel the same way I do. And I think that in and of itself is very healing. Oh, yeah. Sometimes we heal more through helping others heal. So just even being involved in that community, even if you're not sure where your journey is taking you, what role you need to be in, just plugging yourself into it can be such a huge help. Yeah, just showing up and doing what you can while you can. So moving into the parts of healing that are most difficult, I'm going to talk about something that I've struggled with in my journey of healing my relationship to food and my body. And then I'm going to allow you this space, Chris, to share something if you have anything to share. And then I encourage you if you have a group or if you just want to talk about it in the Facebook group to talk about that as well. So uh, let's talk about this concept of being triggered because (laughs) it's such a, I feel like it's almost at this point, um, not taboo, but like people kind of roll. It's like something people make fun of now. Yeah. I think it definitely just kind of blew up. Um, and almost the more it was used, the less meaning it held. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There you go. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So being triggered is really, I mean, my personal definition of being triggered is that something hits me in a place, like almost hits me in a place where I'm still wounded and it, it captures my attention in that way. So like, for example, I, early on in my journey, when I was trying not to count calories or macros or diet, anyone that would talk about diets around me, I would get triggered what I would describe as triggered and I would get like frustrated and like annoyed and kind of roll my eyes and like see myself out of the conversation really quickly and what I wish I would have known then is that I didn't have to let my triggers stop there and I didn't have to let them hold so much power over me because for a really long time I just avoided Mm -hmm. my triggers instead of waiting until I felt safe to start to work through them and and start to question like, why does this trigger me? What is it in me that still feels threatened or still feels unsafe when I hear people talk about diets? Mm -hmm. For me, it was because I almost didn't trust in my ability to not diet. Like I felt like I would get sucked right back into it. And I knew what that meant for me. So I was like, I'm just going to run away and avoid it as much as I can. But that was halting some of the healing that I needed to do around food. I needed to to step into that and see like, okay, what are my thoughts around dieting still? Mm -hmm. And if I did choose to go on another diet, what would that look like? And I had to, like earlier this year, I did Weight Watchers for a little bit just to see, like just Mm -hmm. to dip my toes back in the water and just see where I am with my relationship with food. And I quickly realized I'm like, dang, I'm glad I allowed myself this space to explore that because I realized like it, it made me even more firm in my, in my, in the way that I approach food and that I'm, it made me realize like I really am doing what's best for me in the choices that I made. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And you talk about giving yourself some space. I know there was like time between when you were originally dieting and then when you decided to kind of dip your toes back in. I mean, I know everyone's experience is going to be different, but how did you know that it was almost safe to test it back out? Do you think you could have done it sooner? Those are good questions. (laughs) Well, first of all, I, I do feel that I could have healed that part sooner. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I still held on to a lot of fear. I think that was what stopped me from even, you know, because I'm in a place now where I can start to focus on gentle nutrition and exercise and work on some things that will support some health issues that I'm going through. And I Mm -hmm. feel like before when I was so scared to even like think about nutrition, um, I I feel like it held me back for a long time. So I wish I, I probably could have if I was in a different community that was more supportive. Okay. But at the time I was in more of like the body positivity and body acceptance is still almost like a new type of community that's coming up, which yeah. is more gray area versus 
So I went from the dieting extreme into the other extreme mm-hmm. where it's like any talk of dieting or not caring about your body or not like loving how your body looks is not welcome. And you're wrong for that. Yeah. And if I would have had someone to tell me like, Hey, it's okay to kind of be in the middle, mm-hmm. then I probably would have healed a lot differently. Now for your other question about how did I know when I was ready, if yeah. I was ready to dip but- my toes, I assume it felt, I mean, there might've been some apprehension trying a diet again, but you probably felt a little bit safer at that point, that it was kind of okay. Yes. Yes. And I was coming from a place of desperation Okay. because it was after gaining a significant amount of weight and feeling so uncomfortable in my body. So it was almost like giving in. Mm-hmm. To, to what I was afraid of years earlier that, you know, I said I was afraid of hearing about diets and then giving in. Well, that what got me this time was a bunch of Weight Watchers commercials mm-hmm. when I was in a vulnerable place. And so I didn't really go into it with a lot of clarity. Mm-hmm. All I knew was that I was desperate for something. And then as, as it happens, you know, a few days into like, your body image stuff kind of ebbs and flows. Mm -hmm. So I had a few days to then explore, um, you know, is this working for me? I think all the tools I developed along the way of learning to question, how do I feel doing this? Like how many calories am I actually eating? And knowing that like 1200 calories is not enough, Mm -hmm. just knowing that. And so understanding that, Hey, if I'm hungry beyond what I've been told to eat on this Weight Watchers plan, no wonder. So there was no guilt and shame that was brought into it. And I think that was the difference. I love that. So that's like a roundabout way to answer (laughs) your question. But no, that's kind of awesome because it almost sounds like, I mean, not that it happened unintentionally, but you just kind of wander down that path. The intent wasn't to, I'm going to try dieting and see how it works. You just, you were in a spot, it was there, it happened. But all of the tools, all of the healing that you've done and the transformation was there and it supported you in that so you didn't have to make that dramatic swing again that's true that's something you kind of talked about on last episode too you know when you're going from one extreme it's natural to swing all the way to the other and that's what happened at first right yeah diet culture positivity but you've calmed yours down so much that that little swing came right back so it works the things we say are true (laughs) Yes. And it's worth in, again, that came from all the healing, but that took five years or so to get to that point. And I I know there were times when I had expectations of like, I wish I were more healed, but I was also really gentle on myself during that. So if I would try to tweak something with my nutrition and I noticed that maybe I was immediately binging or thinking about food more often, I recognized that. And I was like, we're not healed enough for that yet. So we're just going to put that to the side and just wait and just giving your body time for anything is such a hard skill to learn and so powerful once you do. I think that's probably one of the biggest ones that I'm still struggling with. Um, I tend to be very responsive or not responsive, reactive to my body. Whereas like if I wake up and I feel maybe a little bit bloated one day, I'm like, Ooh, I need to change what I'm eating. It's like, no, wait. That's not quite right. Or I'll wake up and I'll have acne. I'm like, oh my gosh, something's wrong. I need to fix it. Mm. So just allowing yourself to have that time to heal, to listen to your body, to work together. That's been huge. (laughs) Yes, that permission in that space. So is there something, I mean, along those lines, Mm -hmm. is there something that triggers you? You just talked about acne. Um, I think that's definitely been one of them. Um, And we've talked about this a little bit before, but there were times when I almost felt like guilty for having acne. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been in the fitness space for so long um, now as a yoga teacher, but before that, even I did group fitness. Um, I was teaching in a gym and talking to people about their diets, about their healthy habits, about all these things they can do to support and optimize their body, right? Um, and then I walk in with a big pimple and it's like, well, clearly I have an optimized mind, right? Um, so I definitely not true by the way (laughs) (laughs) and there's so many different factors that can go into it but it was just one of those things that like I felt 
that it took away from my credibility. I felt shame for it because I couldn't control it. And I've gotten a lot better. I'm learning to kind of let that go. And also know that it takes my body longer to communicate with me. So if it is trying to tell me something through being a little bloated, having a little acne, it's not what I did five minutes prior. Um, and anything I do in the next five minutes isn't going to change it. <laughs> yeah. Learning to give myself that space um, enough to recognize the bigger patterns. So for me, acne pops up a lot when I'm stressed. Mm. That's something that I've always been a little bit of an overthinker, a little more stressed than I need. And that's one of the reasons I gravitate so hard to yoga. Because it's the exact opposite of that. It's everything that I need to pull back into my life. But that's such a good point. Like, I love how you laid that out of, you know, it's not, we think that it's like, we immediately have to jump in and fix mm -hmm. because like, oh my gosh, I've ruined my health with one meal or one thing that I did yesterday. When you, like Chris said, like it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's your overall habits. Oh, absolutely. And the overcorrection from that type of mindset is worse for your body than anything. Yes. Exactly. When we, you know, oh, I feel loaded. I need to eat less. That's going to hurt your body more than just staying on track. Yeah. And recognizing that like, oh, is there a pattern behind this? And gently guiding yourself if there is mm -hmm. recognizing and then coming from a place of self-care to start to shift yes. that pattern or to heal that pattern mm -hmm. or heal whatever's driving that pattern, I guess. Absolutely. We've kind of hit on this in different ways through the other episodes, I think, but it's that first you have to kind of get curious start to recognize the pattern, understand what's happening in the larger scheme, not what happened in the past five minutes. And then you can move into your healing. Yeah. Or just allow it to come up as it does. Yeah. And that's completely fine. So with your acne, Chris, mm -hmm. what now when you get triggered by it, like what's your process? Um, so I still I mean, I don't like it. I don't think anyone wakes up is like, oh, look, a new pimple. <laughs> right. But I also know that it's not a problem that I have to fix, right? I don't have to, you know, put on a bunch of crazy face creams or pop it or do whatever. I can kind of let it be, um, which helps it heal half faster. But just reminding that, you know, it has nothing to do with my self-worth. If anything, it's probably my body telling me to chill out a little bit, to do less rather than my instinct to do more and try to fix it. Yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, that's been the biggest shift, just learning to try to understand rather than to correct. And that's allowed me to give myself a lot more grace too, because it's not a problem if I'm not trying to fix it. Yeah. It's just a signal. Mm -hmm. It's one way of the body communicating with me. I'm not sure if we've really harped on this in the mm -hmm. other episodes but also I want to talk about since we're on the topic of acne mm -hmm. and I talk a little bit in the book about when I struggled with body image back in like 2019 where I felt good like body wise like size wise mm -hmm. I felt good for once but then I developed acne for the first time mm -hmm. and and there are a lot of assumptions that people make about acne oh yeah just like when people make assumptions about the size of your body people will look at acne and I remember people just giving unsolicited advice to me about how they can fix it and we'll cut this out of your diet or it's because you're wearing makeup I was actually mm -hmm. talking to a friend earlier today about that because I did feel for a long time that like the acne I had developed was all my fault. And it was because I had chosen body acceptance because I wasn't strictly dieting. And this was like payback for that. And so I was, you know, I, I did actually try different things. Like I tried cutting out like dairy and gluten and it didn't really do anything. And then mm -hmm. I tried not wearing makeup for two weeks and nothing changed. And I was so against going to a dermatologist mm -hmm. because I was like, oh, I have to heal the natural way. But, you know, we have Western medicine for a reason. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and there's no shame in having to use medical intervention to help heal your body. And so for me, 
um, I finally went to a dermatologist and I was prescribed some things like a antibiotic and a topical. And I was so against antibiotics because of what I'd been taught in like health coaching school mm-hmm. and stuff. I have this fear of them. And, you know, I think there is, I'm, well, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole <laughs> <laughs> because the point that I'm trying to make here is that what I needed was not all of these holistic approaches that everyone was trying to push on me and say was like my fault for having the acne. Mm -hmm. What I needed was the treatment that I found and it worked. And then I developed a skincare routine and I haven't had any issues since. And I haven't changed my diet since then. I wear the same amount of makeup, but I guess it goes back into, um, you know, remembering that first of all, people make assumptions based on things that they know nothing about. Mm -hmm. And that's almost like, helpful to know yeah you know what I mean like it's hard to face the fact that you can't control what other people are going to think about your body size or your features or anything but you have you can know yourself that like you know and and acne is so complicated everyone has it for different reasons Mm -hmm. oh it's crazy but I love that in your story you were able to like try different things and eventually that included you know going to a dermatologist Sometimes that'll work for people. Sometimes it won't, but just allowing yourself to explore, figure out what works for you, regardless of what everyone's telling you. Um, Cause you know, I was kind of keeping the perspective of if you have this problem and something helped you, yes, tell me about it. But that doesn't mean it's going to fix me. And I think that's kind of the grain of salt you have to take with all of this. Some people are going to give you terrible advice regardless. Some people give you good advice neither one is guaranteed to work for you. Yeah. And we can really romanticize when someone does like tell us, or we learn about Mm -hmm. this new diet or, you know, there were so many times I invested in all these different skincare brands because Mm -hmm. I was told this is going to be the magic fix and going off on a quick tangent Mm -hmm. before we go back into healing, but we have to be realistic about most things there there is no magic fix for oh yeah if it sounds too good to be true it is yeah which it's not that's not really a tangent then because we're talking about healing and there we we want to bypass the healing so often right Mm -hmm. because we think because it's hard and it's long but it's the only thing that sticks yeah yes you have to really heal you can't just bypass it. Like you have to take the time and be in that space mm-hmm. and be okay with like recognizing that like, Hey, I'm healing, but that doesn't mean I'm any less of a human. Like yeah. it doesn't mean I'm not you're, broken. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. You're not broken where you are now, just because you're in that healing process. You're still, you just are. Yeah. You're a human on the human journey. Yeah. So we'll just reiterate the point that healing is not linear And I also want to validate your experience if, say, you notice yourself mourning a past version of your body, what it looked like when you were 20 or Mm -hmm. in high school, and you recognize that, like, you're not willing to do what it takes to get back there and that you probably never will, but it still hurts. That's okay. And it's also okay to mourn a version of yourself that you used to think that you could become like I used to have this dream body Mm -hmm. in my mind and really believed that like I could get there and I've now realized like that's not even my body type I would have to get a hundred surgeries to look like that and I'm not willing to do that but it's okay for me to still look back on old pictures and feel sad and in you know be in that space for a little bit oh yeah absolutely I think it's almost good to go back and appreciate you know the body that we had at different phases because it's a good reminder to appreciate where you are at now too but and I love how you put that about um looking back at the different versions but also realizing what it would take to get back to those versions or to get even to future versions because that's the part I think we forget all the time we look back at this picture of me even gosh three years ago back when we were in Georgia and I was training in the gym at least twice a day. Like I was either teaching people or working out myself. Like that was just my life. That's where I lived. It's what I did. Obviously my body looked a little bit different, right? Mm -hmm. I weighed a little bit less. My muscles were a little bit more defined. It was a nice look, 
but I don't have the time now to spend in the gym. So as much as I might mourn that body, I don't miss that lifestyle. I love the life I'm in right now. And I love the body I'm in right now because of it. So you can have both. Mourning one doesn't mean you're not accepting where you are now. Yes. Yeah, very well said. And don't let anyone make you think differently. I mean, of course, you don't want to sit there and dwell on it or feel. I I think it, like Chris said, using it as fuel to, as a reminder to appreciate the body that you're in, because we always look back in hindsight and think that, oh, everything was so much better. Mm -hmm. We romanticize the past version of our lives based on a picture. And then you have to bring yourself back to reality and realize like, wow, do you really want to go back to that space (laughs) where you were, you did still have so many things that you needed to like heal from. And, um, I know that like, I would not choose to look the way that I used to, if it meant that I had to go back to like, that was a time and place in my life that was necessary, but yeah, I moved on for a reason, right? That body came with its own lifestyle and you, you don't get to choose one without the other. Yeah. And that's the reason I chose body acceptance to begin with is because I was so fed up with what it took to try and look a certain way. And I knew I, you know, was like, this isn't worth what the Mm -hmm. sacrifices that I have to make just to look a certain way. And so, you know, sometimes I have to reground myself back to that space. But it can be helpful just to remember that you're picking a whole package. You're picking the daily habits. You're picking, of course, the body, but also the life that you build around it. And remember that when you're healing, even when you're in your transformation journey, like, get the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because some people will tell you it can be done. You can control your weight and what your body looks like if you really try. But at what cost? Mm -hmm. And is that worth it to you? Yeah. So the last thing we want to talk about then in this chapter is, so when it comes to representation, maybe you're stuck in a section of your healing that relates to your body because you're still feeling like, I don't see anybody that looks like me or no one has my body type or um, yeah, just feeling like you're not being represented. And so can you fill a space just like Chris said earlier, sometimes the most healing thing can be to help others. So if you're unable to find representation of your body, is there a way that you can become that representation or decide that like, you know what, I don't need permission to just show up and just be me in this body that I have. Oh, absolutely. And I think when you do that, you'll start to find those people that you're looking for. Like, as you move in through different phases of your life and your body, you know, it makes sense that the people, the social circles around you, the things you expose yourself to are going to change. But if you start showing up in that way, you'll start to find the people that resonate with that same message. Yeah, that's a really good point. You attract what you become. And social media algorithms have gotten really good. So (laughs) scary good sometimes. Yeah. So type in just the body acceptance hashtag into Instagram, and then you'll start getting more and more, you know, things added to your feed or suggestions added of people that do are committed to representing a wide range of bodies. Yeah. And I think just taking that time to kind of curate your social media to support wherever you are in your healing journey is so powerful. Um, Even mine, I kind of decluttered my feed a lot when we first moved here. And I'm only now starting to kind of find the people to fill it back up with. But now Instagram is one of my favorite places to hang out. It's a motivating, inspiring, entertaining place. And if it doesn't feel like that for you, know that you have the power to make some changes there. And depending on where you are in your journey, like Chris said, you're going to have to curate your feed differently. So there, if you notice something is triggering to you and you're not ready to dig deeper into that and you just need space, like maybe I know for me, like Instagram is my safe space online. So I literally, Mm -hmm. if I don't like something or if me looking at something or someone's feed is making me feel worse about myself, 
I either mute or unfollow them. Yeah. I don't feel obligated to keep them around just because I'm like, I don't know, whatever. And so if you feel that way, you can remove those. Like I, for a long time, could not follow any fitness related mm-hmm. accounts or anything um, that was like super nutrition based, or there was a lot that I couldn't look at in the beginning as I was healing my relationship with food, because I was still holding tight to a lot of beliefs that had me, had me, um, practicing unhealthy disordered behaviors around food. But now I recognize that I'm in a space where I'm okay to have those because I know that I reckon I'm able to recognize it quickly when it's not serving me. Yeah. And I think that's a good point. You kind of have to unplug from those things long enough to almost discover your own voice again Mm. so that when you come back in, you can see where they align or don't align. And maybe there's more there that's still relevant than you thought and awesome. And if not, now you have almost the confidence in yourself to just be like, nope, don't eat it. Yeah. And and sometimes that takes dipping your toes into the water and seeing like I couldn't handle this last year but just like trying a food that mm-hmm. you didn't like you know your um your palate's always changing so That's me every seven years I tried tomatoes again <laughs> it hasn't gotten me anywhere but I'm gonna keep trying yeah and just and you can learn to trust yourself that like okay I've done enough healing that I trust myself so going back to your question mm-hmm. earlier about Weight Watchers I trusted myself enough yeah. to know so that I guess there's my yeah. answer I trusted myself. I got to a point where I felt like I really trusted myself enough to allow that space to know whether it worked or not. Yeah. That I wouldn't be stuck going back to a disordered place that like, okay, I'm going to try this and see if it works for me. But I know that I like it. Yeah. If it doesn't, I have the tools to bring myself back to center. That's awesome. Well, that's a good way to wrap up chapter eight or chapter seven, seven. (laughs) chapter seven and move into chapter eight, which is another controversial topic, I would say, when it comes to body acceptance and especially going back to early on. And it depends on when you start to do this work or who Mm -hmm. you're allowing to guide you through the work of body acceptance or body positivity. But I've noticed that in a lot of communities, like on social media or podcasts that I've listened to around body positivity, they some people can really push this narrative that you should just not necessarily like how you look, but you shouldn't alter the way that you look. Yeah, that it's almost, if you have to alter it, you're not accepting it. Yes, yes, exactly. And so I wanted to add a chapter in the book about that because I had a lot of guilt for wanting to wear makeup or still wanting to dress quote unquote cute or in an expressive way, or even having the desire to still lose weight sometimes, or having these thoughts of getting cosmetic surgery for things that I don't necessarily love about my appearance. And I held those things, I tried to hide them away and cover them with body positivity, but it really didn't get me anywhere because again, like I just felt back to, back to a past version of myself where I was like a people pleaser. I just did things because I felt like I should without really understanding. And so if you feel that way, that maybe you still have some fear of like, well, I can't practice body acceptance because there are still things I don't like about myself. Mm -hmm. I want to invite you to maybe see that differently and recognize that like you're in a space, at least with us and in our community (laughs) that we're building, you're in a space where it's safe to be able to have those feelings and explore them or maybe even follow through with them. So what are your thoughts on that, Chris? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I definitely think that you can be fully accepting of your body and love your body and still want to change how it looks. Um, I think for me, the difference is through kind of this journey with body acceptance, you get to hear your own voice a little bit more. And if you're wanting to change something, whether it's you want to lose weight, you want to change your hair, whatever it is, get a nose job, I don't know. But if you're wanting to do it because you want to look different for you, that's the end of it. Like, 
it's more empowering to follow through on that than to try to squash that down. Um, whereas a lot of times we might have, like, I think it can get dangerous when we're unclear of the motivations. Mm -hmm. So when you feel like maybe you have to wear makeup to be pretty, or you have to lose weight to be accepted or to be sexy or whatever those may be, at the end of the day, you really have to get back down to where is this coming from and who is this for? And that's kind of what separates it for me, at least. Yeah, no, I agree. And I want to add to that, you know, it's funny because you just said you have this, you, maybe you have this belief that you have to lose weight mm -hmm. to be sexy. And I've actually been struggling with that mm -hmm. belief. And I, I believe that like in this right now, but that's somewhere that I'm at in my journey. That's like, maybe not necessarily healed or I haven't explored mm -hmm. that, but it's more important for me that I acknowledge that I believe that. And now I can start to explore, like, why is it that I believe that? Is it really true? I don't, it's so funny. I don't believe it's true, but mm -hmm. I believe it's true for me. Okay. For now, right now. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Almost. I guess we can do like a quick <laughs> uh -huh. coaching session. I yeah. mean, not that you have to coach me, but like to yeah. really talk through it because maybe those of you who are listening to this in, in, in this book club or in groups mm -hmm. of your own, you, you're struggling with feelings like that, like where you know that for someone else, it's okay. But like for you, it's oh, not yeah. okay. And I, yeah, I believe that um, I think I'm still holding on to a past version of myself that I thought was sexier because my body looked different. So do you think sexiness comes from just your appearance? No, I believe that sexy is embodying who you are and being accepting of who you are and where you are, which you're kind of, that is you. <laughs> Okay, well then talk to me then mm -hmm. without clothes on. Okay. I mean, I'm not saying- We can turn this off. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean is mm -hmm. how do I, when it comes to like, I feel that like my naked, mm -hmm. so I'm looking at sexy then. Mm -hmm. I, I just said sexy is like embodying blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But then there's a part of me that believes that sexy is looking a certain way when you're naked. Okay. So why- do you think that? Because of porn. Okay. <laughs> because all the bodies that I see in porn look a certain way. So this might be crazy. I'm going to say it because I thought it. What happens to you if you can't find the representation, be the representation? Not that you should be a porn star, but have you ever <laughs> thought about <laughs> like making a video for yourself? I have, and I'm scared to because I, I had uh -huh. made some in the past uh -huh. with Jason, like we're getting, I guess, <laughs> grand finale fireworks <laughs> episode, we're getting spicy. Um, yes, I have, like Jason and I have mm -hmm. made them in the past, and now I'm so scared. I think I still am scared to face the body that I'm in right now. Okay. And I think that's part of it. When was the last time you talked to her naked? I don't. I avoid her naked. Maybe that's a place to start then. Oh, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're absolutely right because I, you know, turn away mm -hmm. in the mirror or like okay. if I'm naked, like, uh -huh. you know, getting in the shower, I turn away from the mirror or if I'm masturbating, uh -huh. I look at my boobs, but nothing else. Uh -huh. I don't want to look at anything else. Okay. So maybe it's just because I haven't been exposed yeah. Myself. Wow. I mean, if you haven't seen her in a while, it's natural to be a little uncomfortable. Shocked, a little shocked. Yeah. Like, it's just like if you haven't seen anyone, like you're long, when Jason and I are long distance mm -hmm. and I don't see him for like seven months and then I see him again in person, it is like, it's a shock. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing, but it's just something. It's unfamiliar in yeah. a weird way because you expect it to be familiar, but yeah, you think that like, oh, it's it's my body. Right, like I, I grew up with it. I know it, but. But no, I mean, you guys, how often yeah. do you take the time to explore your body or to just, oh yeah, like, 
And maybe it doesn't have to be in a mirror or a camera if I'm mm-hmm. not ready for that yet, but I could start to at least just get naked and like look yeah, down. Just kind of look around while you're getting dressed in the morning. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm going to try this and I'm going to do it maybe in a way like turn on music that makes me feel like, yeah. like that I am woman song that's trending right, right now that I showed you. Yeah. Maybe I dance around that. a little bit. Yeah. Um, okay. Cause I was going to say, that's what I think is sexy. It's not just the body, but it's kind of what you do with it. Like the confidence that you walk into the room with or, um, and that's almost been a struggle for me. Like I was always very quiet, like not very bold, very confident. So I had a hard time feeling sexy in that respect. Mm. And then you say that and I'm like, Lauren's super confident. <laughs> what she about? Yeah. You'd be surprised <laughs> at what people are thinking in their heads. But I think that's kind of the point we were making earlier. Like we're all dealing with the same things and that's one of the reasons I'm so excited about this book club you know partly because I get to talk to my friend about it but hopefully you guys get to see that you're not alone we're all going through some shape of it I'm the fucking girl who wrote the book (laughs) (laughs) and I'm talking about how I don't feel sexy naked but this is why I like to give the space to these conversations because what if I didn't what if I just pretended all was well because I was supposed to be the quote-unquote expert oh yeah because then I would feel that at some point and I'd be like oh I can't talk to Lauren she's got to figure it out I don't gotta figure it out yeah but and you don't I don't think you ever fully have it figured out because it fluctuates too throughout Mm -hmm. your life that's why your healing journey always continues and your transformation journey always continues because things change yeah as long as you're still breathing you're still changing yeah like we're designed that way yeah as humans okay so sexy music candles like I'll date myself a little bit Ooh, I like it yeah that's a good way to put it yeah date myself a little bit and it is so true because when I like when I see um well I've seen a lot of naked women in my life (laughs) for like different reasons (laughs) but I've never looked at one and been like, ew. Like, I've always just been like, whoa, different curves and roads. And like, women are just gorgeous. Like, in every shape and size, like, I genuinely believe that. So why can't I offer that to myself? Or at least, well, and you can, but it's always a little harder on yourself. Whatever it is, I think we're always harder on ourselves. Yeah. Yes. Very true. Okay. Well, thank you for that coaching session. Anytime. <laughs> I'm really excited about that because I've been hung up on that one for a little bit and I haven't I haven't told anyone really yet. I'm excited to hear how your dates go. <laughs> yeah, I'll keep you updated. <laughs> All right. So just like we demonstrated, when you have a desire to change your appearance or you feel that you might be more worthy uh, if you looked a different way, it's important to give yourself the space to explore that thought process judgment-free because... I mean, look at how, look at how like quickly we were able to come effortlessly, like, because I had someone outside of me to guide me, or if I wrote it down in a journal, what would that look like? Well, because you were willing to put that out there and ask those questions. Yeah. I I might've helped with the questioning, but (laughs) you can kind of do that for yourself too. Yeah. And I didn't judge myself. Chris Mm -hmm. didn't judge me, which was really helpful. (laughs) She wasn't like Lauren. And that's another thing is you, you maybe someone doesn't judge you, but maybe they shut you down or invalidate you. Like what if Chris was just like, Lauren, like you are sexy. Just believe it, girl. Yes. And I feel like, especially as women, we do that a lot trying to be supportive, but you just have to come back to your feelings are valid. Whatever they are, they're valid. And if you accept that and give yourself space to explore them, you can move through them. If you try to deny them in any way or just paste a band-aid over them, they're always going to be there. Yeah, because you can't just cut them off. So maybe that's something you can practice with your friends or the women in your life that you care about or the people in your life of instead of trying to offer them support of like, oh no girl, you look fine. Or a friend of mine recently was like, you're not fat, you have fat. And I know she was trying to be Mm -hmm. supportive, but that wasn't because I was trying to just own the fact that like, you know, it's okay. Like you can be 
fat and beautiful. It's not one or the other. Yeah. You can be fat and empowering. You can be fat and whatever. Oh yeah. And um, so you know, if you want to be helpful to someone, maybe give them the space to help if, if they're willing yeah. to help them explore. Of like, oh, interesting. You know, get curious. Why do you? Why do you think you feel that way right now? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think is causing it? And then you can start a conversation just in the way that Chris did so seamlessly. Oh my gosh. I have a friend um, back in Vegas who's really good at this. And I don't think she has any idea that she's good at it, but she's that person that she's never going to, she almost doesn't care about people's feelings. So she's not trying to fix them. She'll be like, oh, well, why do you think that? <laughs> you know, kind of bluntly. Yeah. But she'll sometimes get you to a really fabulous place. <laughs> She's an accidental coach. She really is. (laughs) But yeah, just, you know, I think sometimes we say things like that because we're almost uncomfortable. Yes. As the person hearing this vulnerability, like if I wasn't comfortable being vulnerable and Lauren said that to me, I'd be like, whoa, okay. Yeah. Um, But so even noticing that in yourself, if that's how you're responding to other people, that might be something that you can explore too. Yeah, like... Why is this uncomfortable for me? And for a lot of people, I think they get uncomfortable because they don't know how to hold that space or they, they don't like, they don't know what to say or to do. And that's why, you know, giving you the tools of being curious, Mm -hmm. curiosity is something that comes naturally to us. And all we have to do is just learn to tap into that of like, imagine that it was you feeling that way. And you were just like, well, you know, like what's going on? Like genuinely, like. Chris's friend was just, is just a curious person and she's not afraid to go there with people. And I'm sure people will really appreciate that about her because she's not putting any sort of judgment or expectation or anything. She's just like in a neutral space, Mm -hmm. just asking, well, yeah, what's going on? It's almost like a kid, right? Mm -hmm. Kids will always ask you like, why, why? Mm -hmm. As an adult, you almost like, well, that's because that's how it is. But there's you're like, well, why is it? to be learned from that yeah all right so if you choose to wear makeup or Mm -hmm. wear clothes that you find quote-unquote flattering or anything like that can you still practice body acceptance at the same time yes (laughs) (laughs) trick question (laughs) yeah for sure um and I think again it just kind of goes back to knowing why you're doing it and doing it because it's what you want um you know I'll wear makeup sometimes, but when I felt like I had to wear makeup to, you know, be prettier, be presentable or whatever it was that I was filling in at the moment, um, it was such a drag. <laughs> like I hated it. Mm. So most of the days I don't. And when I do, it's me celebrating me rather than me trying to cover it up mm. and just giving myself that space to do it when I want, because I want really changed my relationship with it. I love that. So if you question something and you realize that you're not doing it for the right reasons, like what do you usually do when you're like, like, for example, Mm -hmm. say, um, I'm, I've been wearing makeup Mm -hmm. every day lately. And is that something that I want? And you're like, Oh no. And then you realize like, it's because of outside sources or whatever. What do you do? So for me, I kind of just stopped cold turkey. (laughs) Um, I think I did it long enough that I almost kind of burnt out on it. Mm. It wasn't serving me. It felt like something that I had to do. And one day I was like, I'm not doing it anymore. And it was weird at first. Um, You know, you kind of have that like, oh, are people looking at me funny now? Like, (laughs) but it's kind of like you said, swinging from one extreme to the other. I wore makeup every day. Then I didn't wear makeup at all for a long time. And once I got kind of comfortable without it, it was easier to decide when I wanted it. Mm. And I think that'll work for most things. Just kind of giving yourself that space from it to process your feelings, process whether or not you want to go back. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you'll even have to kind of hang in the balance as you're figuring it out for more extreme things. I definitely think for cosmetic surgery, that's something that you should maybe sit on for a while. There are things that I've been thinking about and sitting on for quite a while. And I honestly think that I 
like, I'm like, I doubt I'll ever get anything done. But if I did decide to like, say I ran into a bunch of money or something, like there would be no shame in that, but I would still take the time to weigh the risks and the pros and cons and decide like, you know, if I do quote unquote, fix this thing about my appearance, is it just going to transfer onto another part of my body? And then I think sometimes surgery also can offer us this belief that like we can fix anything. Mm -hmm. And so you start down this rabbit hole of like, okay, well, I fixed that now on to the next. And you're putting yourself at a high level of risk. I think that's a scary place to come at it from is the fix. And, you know, we kind of talked about that's kind of like a trigger for me anyway. Yeah. But you almost have to go back to what do you think will be different when this surgery is over? Maybe it's you're getting a nose job. If your answer is, oh, my nose is going to look different and that makes you happy. Kudos. If you're like, oh, well, then I'm going to be more confident and then people are going to like me better. If you're waiting for all these magical things to change in your life that's when you might want to take a little bit more time, a little bit more self-discovery. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe go back to, okay, I'm wanting this confidence. Is there a way that I can go after it directly without getting this nose job? Yeah. You know, and we have complicated reasons for why we do things. Oh, for sure. And so, you know, there's no black and white way to look at this. I would love to say like, there's a definitive yes or no on (laughs) surgery or any extreme measures, but Mm -hmm. everybody's situation is different. That's why we shouldn't judge each other. Right. And I think something like that, like if you are getting a nose job or something and part of your motivation here is that you want confidence, I do feel that it can be a part of that process, but it can't be the magic solution. So we can't just change the outside and expect that to change the inside. But if the two go hand in hand, if you're, you know, working on your confidence and you're like, this is really how I want to look and like I'm building up on the inside, I do think that they can go together too. That's a good point. Yeah. I've known some people that did get like something like Mm -hmm. a nose job or a feature of theirs that bothered them for their whole lives and they got the surgery and they're really happy and they are always, they're glad that they did it and there are no regrets. And then there are people that do certain things for you know, whatever reason. And then they decide that they regret it. But again, you won't know until you actually do it. So that's why it is important that as much as you can beforehand, you try and take a look at the overall picture. And is there anything here that I can work on first? And if that still doesn't feel, if I still feel that I want this thing, Mm -hmm. then I can go for it. Absolutely. Because if you just, you know, tell yourself, oh, that's not a possibility because I accept my body. You're almost kind of not listening to yourself. You're pushing down that want or desire. Yeah. And all of your feelings are still valid. Yeah, exactly. So I just wanted to finish off the series with this conversation about, you know, the fact that I know that there can be a lot of shame around wanting to look different or doing things to alter your appearance. Um, But I just want you to know that you are welcome in this community, no matter how you feel about the way that you look. What I just encourage and push so much is how you treat yourself and how do you, how you speak to yourself, learning to come at yourself with so much self-compassion and respect Mm -hmm. and love, because as we always say, we're all on this human journey. None of us know the right answer. We're all just making it up as we go. And so we're all doing the best that we can. I love that. (laughs) All right. So we're going to finish up this series with this question. What does body acceptance entail for you? And how do you want to use it to empower you or change your life going forward? So Chris. Yeah. So my body acceptance journey has really been about just kind of reconnecting with my body. Um, I talked a lot about how I used to try to fix all the problems, um, you know, whether it was a headache, whether it was acne, whether it was weight gain, felt like I had to fix it. Like my body was this separate thing and I, almost like a child that I had to take care of, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and through body acceptance, I've really kind of realigned and realized that we are working together. We are on the same team. We're communicating with each other rather than trying to correct each other. 
And that's been really empowering just to, gosh, not feel like I'm working against something and actually feel like I'm supporting myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's been a really big shift in helping me spend more time on things like self-care or making myself a priority, which has actually helped to increase my self-worth and how much I value my own opinion. Mm. Just So it's been nice building mm. myself up that way. I'm just soaking that in. <laughs> so beautiful and you articulated it so well. Especially, I just like the idea of that you're in partnership with your body and you're one. And it's so easy to think of your body as something outside of you. And really, it's just like a part of you. And the more you realize that, at least that's what I'm hearing from you, is the more you realize that it's a part of you and it just flows like the way that you great word for it. Yeah, really? Okay. Yeah. The way that you treat yourself, it just all flows so much more smoothly Mm -hmm. and you start to value yourself more. And then you make choices out of self-love. And I think so many people think that body acceptance and, you know, anti-diet is like anti-health, but it's just, I think once you start to practice it, you realize it's so the opposite. Yeah. Cause then you want to take care of your body and it almost takes things like, you know, taking time to one, make myself breakfast, but also sit down and eat it separate from work. Like that's no longer an extra to do that's weighing down my day. It's something that I want to do and I feel good about doing. So it actually starts to make it easier to take care of yourself. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a burden anymore. It just feels like it's something that just enhances your life. Like you're, you're looking for the energy and the joy and you're thinking it's found in specific things when really it's found in connecting yeah. with yourself and your body. That's where I find it when I'm most present. Right. Like I was out there searching for all these things and now I'm almost creating them. Yeah. Inside of yourself. Yeah. Which is yeah, beautiful. Okay. From Yeah. How about you? <laughs> Okay. Well, I think over the years it has changed so much, Mm -hmm. obviously shifted, transformed. It's been quite a journey. So where I'm at right now with body acceptance is, hmm, wow, I can't even answer my own question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm trying to like really give a like real thought out answer of how I'm using body acceptance right now. Well, that's a big concept. There's a lot to it. Yeah. So sometimes it's hard to look into words. <laughs> yes. Um, I really want to use it. I guess I'll talk about like the future and what I'm doing with it, like mm-hmm. where I'm hoping to move forward. I want to use it more and more to just like Chris said, connect with myself on a deeper level because I want to be a more embodied, sensual, like I think it's gonna it's I know it's the tool that's going to help me create the well I'm already creating the life see I can't Mm -hmm. even Chris made it look so easy (laughs) to answer this but I'm struggling so much to put it into words because it really does like it just means Uh that much to me um simple answer I want to be a more embodied sensual turned on version of myself because to me that means that I'll be more present And when I am more present, I experience more joy and more pleasure and more connection with others, connection to nature, connection to myself. And in my opinion, that is what makes life worth living. Absolutely. I love it. Well, not to get like too spiritual or woo-woo, but like, I do believe that we all have a power inside of us. And the more you accept your body, whether it's your physical, your mental, like the more you accept what is you the more you can tap into what is you and the more you can pull out and create and just like a little flower blossoming open. (laughs) Reach your full human potential is what I'm hearing. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's what I want. I want to die without regrets and to know that like I've been given this one body, maybe this one time on earth, who knows? (laughs) Again, nobody really knows the right answer. It's all you've got for now. So so you have to live as if it's your only life until you know otherwise. So that's what I'm doing. Yes. Okay. I love it. I think we did it. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. That's crazy. I feel like 
we've just been recording for <laughs> for months and months, but here we are at the end of our series. So if you have joined us and you've made it this far, we really want to just congratulate you, yeah. acknowledge you for showing up and doing the work. Excuse me. Even when I know it's not hard, I feel, I mean, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> Some days it might be easier. Some days it's going to be really hard. My brain's fried at this point. But <laughs> I think that also through this process, I have felt like more connected to Chris and more connected to you guys watching. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, I hope that you feel that sense of community and love radiating from us and from each other if you have connected and I hope that we'll just continue to work together and build this community into what we know that it can be. Oh yeah, we will. And who knows what it'll look like in the future, but um, yeah, just let us know how you enjoyed this. We would love to connect with you guys, whether it's through the Facebook group, or if you just want to reach out to either of us at any point, share an aha, share a story, like just know we're here. Yes. And I am on Instagram at Lauren M. Kendrick. And that's the best place to reach me in my DMs. Yep. Instagram's a good one for me too. You can find me at yogachris.okinawa. And I will leave our handles below or in the show notes. Um, I am having a hard time saying goodbye because I'm really <laughs> bad at goodbyes, but I think we've covered everything that we need to. Yeah. Maybe not a goodbye. Just to see you later. And thank you so much for being here. Hasta la vista, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs>